everybody. It is great to be with you once again. Unfortunately, under difficult circumstances, but um, we know that the Lord is is blessing Pastor and, and touching him now. This morning, um, as I was praying about what I wanted to speak on, the the Lord led me to uh, many passages of Scripture, but but really brought me forth towards a a concept that we know a lot about. We've heard it many times preached behind this pulpit um, and, and many other pulpits for those listening on, on the live stream. Uh, and, and it's really about truth. And, and I titled the sermon, True Dat. It's, it's a colloquialism, something that the, the young people say. So I thought I'd take it, you know, try to incorporate some of that youth back into my life. And um, as, as I was looking through what it is that the Lord wanted me to to talk about um, one of the things that just kept coming back to me was the fivefold ministry it's it's one of the most to me one of the most important things that is that has come out of this church you know we, we talk about diverse tongues critical critical in this day and age too but diverse tongues um, we talk about the seven spirits and and how important those are and understanding the, the ways of God and how he moves on this earth. And then a, a big part of that foundation, too, was the fivefold ministry. Series, sections of the church that don't necessarily believe in the fivefold the way that we do. Many that believe that, that the apostle and the prophet um, are, are no more. They, they don't exist, that, that, that's no longer part of the function of the church. You see many who focus on the evangelistic nature, but see it differently and talk about it more from a go and preach the gospel as opposed to a signs and wonders, an action-oriented type ministry. Those that, that downgrade, in my mind, the, the function of the teacher uh, and the function of the, the pastor, and they see these as, as offices that maybe someone might hold um, so if you're teaching in Sunday school, you might be a teacher, but, but you're, it's not an office. It's just something that you do. If, if you're a pastor, you're a pastor of a church, and, and that's all you can do, that, that you're leading a church, but it doesn't talk about the helps, the governments, the administration of, of going off into this world and providing that to the world. They, they see the fivefold ministry as this broken concept that, that exists in parts and helps in parts, but doesn't really... Uh, move in the church, and, and I, I obviously do not believe that, and, I, and nor do I believe that this church believes that. Uh, we talk about the fivefold ministry as something critical to the church body, and it is something that I want us to continue to, to understand. So I want to start with a rereading of Ephesians 4. We're going to go a little bit deeper than that, um, and, and then we're going to dive into some of the concepts that are spoken of in here, and, and something that the Lord's laid on my heart uh, for us to talk about. So, so we'll go ahead and get started. Let's dive in. We'll read Ephesians chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Until we all come in the, uni of the, in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. There's a, there's a lot to unpack there, a lot for us to digest. And, and as we look at the fivefold ministry, obviously at the very beginning it gives us a picture of what the fivefold ministry is, the apostle, prophet, go on, so on and so forth. Then it tells us why these exist, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we see 
that the Bible is very clearly, clearly telling us what it is, what it's for, and then continues on in something that, that I think the church um, usually glosses over, and it's this part right here. It's till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. This is talking about us coming together as a body and truly understanding our purpose, not just our individual purpose. So us working together to understand who we are and what we're here on this earth to do. My, my talents, gifts, anointings fit together with yours. They are, they are supposed to be working in tandem. It's something that God has created us for in order to, in order to expand this kingdom, both in the natural and, and more importantly, in the spiritual. This applies, obviously, not just to this building and the people in here, but, but as we as a church have, have come to see globally as a network of saints. That's truly where we talk about the saints network. That's where this concept came from. When we talk about all the things that God is attempting to do here on this earth, it is with his saints. It is with the saints coming together and establishing this kingdom together. So it, it's, it's not a denomination. You, you could call it a fellowship if you want, but really it's a network of like-minded people that have come to talk about the things that God is trying to establish here on this earth. And, and then he gives us, uh, Paul does, writing to the Ephesians, he gives us this, this idea that, that there's a reason for all of this. Obviously, we're talking about that, unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God. And, and beyond that reason, there's also something that you need to be mindful of, something that you need to be very careful about. And, and I've, I've underlined those, those four things, the last two, are what I'm talking about, and it's being children tossed to and fro and being carried about by every wind of doctrine. So what does this mean? When you look at everything that's going out on this earth, we are in a position, I see there's no camera person, so I'm trying to stay very still. Uh, thank you, Stacey. Um, when, when you see what's going out there in this world, you recognize that, that there is a lot of misinformation out there, both about the natural and about the spiritual. This, this has gone on for thousands and thousands of years. It's not something that's new. What's new now is the proliferation of that information and how quickly it gets to people through social media, the internet, how, how quickly we are connected to one another. Consider that when we have a live stream such as this or when you get on a Zoom call, that, that you could potentially have people um, in areas around the world and how, how seamless that conversation is. It's almost like they're there in the room with you. I, I, again, with this pan, global pandemic and, and many people moving to virtual or online meetings, uh, it's been fascinating to see how people have adjusted to that in the workplace and, and how they're having to uh, change their background, change the way they dress. Did you know that when this, fir this pandemic first started back in, in February, March, um, that, that uh, sales of dress shirts went up very high. They went up, but sales of pants did not. They actually declined. Isn't that weird? It's, it's interesting that, that sales of shirts went up, sales of pants somewhat declined, and, and people are wondering, why is that? Why are people getting new shirts but not getting new pants? And it was because, for the most part, you're sitting behind a desk, and you're shown from the, from the mid-waist up, and, and people don't see, you know, your pants. They don't see what you're wearing down there. Uh, in fact, there have been some situations where a person, um, like on the news or, or sharing their video or whatever, is seated, they're talking, they're dressed very nicely from the waist up, and then they get up and they walk out of the frame not realizing they're still on camera, they're still live, and, and you see them either in, in boxers <laughs> or shorts, or just not pants, right? So, so it's interesting that this, this pandemic has really changed the way that people see uh, or experience the world. It's fascinating to me, fascinating, that you could be talking to somebody, again, across the world, across the globe, um, and, and it's like they're right there. There's no lag. There's, it's not, you're not waiting for them to respond. Now, that's not always true, of course. There are times when, even you see this on the news, the, the newscaster will say something, and then they're waiting for the other person to respond, right? There's a lag of maybe two to three seconds. I, I have not personally experienced that uh, to its fullest extent. 
I, I have had that experience with someone in, in, in Baltimore where they tend to have some lag for some reason. Maybe they have bad internet. And then I had a meeting with somebody in Canada and their reception was great. And we were just basically talking back and forth very quickly. So, so you can see that this world is switching to a place where the internet is, is critical to our infrastructure. And the information that we get out there is critical to what we do. We're going to come back to that because there's a lot to say there. But what we're really talking about here is how the fivefold globally impacts your individuality and what you need to do about it. That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about truth and what is truth. I want to start, we started with Ephesians 4, but I want to start unpacking truth by looking in uh, first Mark chapter 13, beginning in verse 21. And then, if any man shall say to you, lo, here is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not. For false Christs and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. This is something that the pastor has spoken on uh, a couple of times these past couple of months. The, the proliferation of misinformation and how it's, it's out there, uh, this scripture is coming to pass today. That, that many, even the very elect, even those that you thought were up in the higher echelons of leadership are being deceived by everything that's going out there in the world. So when we look at the word truth, I highlighted it there in verse 15 of Ephesians 4, but speaking the truth in love, looking at the word truth comes from the Greek word alethes. And it's actually made up of two different Greek words, one being a, a, uh, it's actually the number one uh, in the Strong's Concordance, and the word um, lathan, lan, lanthano uh, in the Greek 2990. Uh, but the word alethes means true, truly, truth, loving the truth, speaking the truth, truthful. That's what alethes means. So anytime we look for the word truth, for the most part, it's translated that. Now, there are derivations, but they're all derived from the word alethes. So we're going to talk about alethes here a lot in a minute. But, but I wanted to be clear, it actually comes from two different words in the Greek. It's not a root word itself. Its root word is lanthano. And it means to lie or to hide, to be ignorant of, to be unaware, to be hidden or a secret or without knowing. So the root word of truth is kind of the opposite. The root word of truth in the Greek is the word hidden or ignorant. Let's look at some examples of that. In Mark chapter 7, we see in verse 24, And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be lanthano. He did not have the opportunity to be hidden away from all these people. He was trying to hide. He was trying to uh, have some alone time. But he could not, he could not be hidden. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. So here is Jesus. He arose, went into the borders, and he basically tries to hide himself. He tr basically tries to find a place where he can go off and be alone. And unfortunately, the Bible says he could not be lenthano. So the word is hidden. Luke chapter 8, verse 43. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came up behind Jesus and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee, and they pressed thee, and you're saying, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody has touched me. For I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. When the woman saw that she was not hid, she was not lanthano, she came trembling and fell down before him. And she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. So here is the woman with the issue of blood. Here she is looking at Jesus. Here, here's Jesus with the with the press thronging him, with people surrounding him, with him trying to 
to minister, but everybody coming and saying, I want to touch Jesus. I want to touch Jesus. I want to see Jesus. I want to talk to Jesus. Jesus is walking. People are thronging. And this woman in a, in a separate book of the Bible talks about this. And the, and the woman looks at Jesus and said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just kind of pass over and let my fingers brush against his, uh, his clothing, not even his skin, his clothing, he doesn't have to touch me. He doesn't have to acknowledge me. He doesn't have to know that I'm here and I'm sick. If I can just touch him, I'll be healed. That's what the woman is saying to herself. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And so she's, she's pressing. I've, I've talked about this story before and how I, I imagine that she's probably sneaking in between people, right? That she's probably crawling uh, just to get where she needs to go. And, and she's probably... Uh, could be a, a maybe a smaller woman and so she as she's pushing through she's kind of trying to push people aside and, and people are pushing on her she's probably closing her eyes just trying to reach out reach out as soon as I touch him I know I'll be healed as soon as I touch him I know I'll be healed she's expecting for Jesus not to even know that anything's happening why because she's not asking for Jesus to perform a specific miracle for her she's just looking to touch him and let letting the miracle happen within her so she goes she touches the hem of his garment and immediately immediately she is healed and jesus recognizes that virtue has flowed from him to her and he stops the crowd stop the press something just happened right so jesus sits there and says something has touched me someone has taken virtue from me and applied it to their life to their body and, and this woman, verse 47, and when the woman saw that she was not lanthano, the word lanthano means to hide. She, she wasn't trying to be sneaky. She wasn't trying to, um, to put one over on, on Jesus, pull the wool over his eyes or anything like that. She was just trying to have a personal encounter with God that really didn't even include Jesus as part of it other than for her to touch the hem of his garment. All she wanted was to hide there and, and just for something to happen and for nobody to notice. That's what this word lanthano means, for, for things to pass by without anybody seeing anything. Now, unfortunately, well, and fortunately, she wasn't hid, and Jesus understood, and he knew, and he used it as an object lesson to say, look, it's your faith that made you whole. Let's look at one more. Second Peter 3. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up in your pure minds by way of remembrance that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Man, haven't we heard this today? For this, they willing, willingly are ignorant, lanthano, of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not lanthano of this one thing. Don't be ignorant. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us ward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Lanthano, the opposite of the truth is ignorance. The opposite of the truth is, is hidden. That's what lanthano means. That's where we get, the, that's the root word of the word that we use here, or that, that Jesus uses here for the word true. So, so we now understand what the opposite is. Let's come to understand what is truth. How do we identify truth? There's a, a famous scientist out there right now, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, many of you have heard of him. He, he has this quote, and it, and it resonated with me. The good thing about science is that it is true whether or not you believe it. 
The good thing about science is that it is true whether or not you believe in it. And I would uh, vehemently oppose that statement. The good thing about true science is that it is true. True science. Unfortunately, we don't have true science. What we have is experimentation. We have theories. We have people that try things. And, and when, when they have an idea of something that is potentially working, they, they subscribe truth to that science. Case in point, scientifically, around the third century, we discovered that the Earth was round. Before then, quote unquote, scientists, and I know they were young, but scientists back then thought that the Earth was flat. Uh, we didn't discover certain things about radiation. There's a, there's a documentary out right now. It's more like a movie documentary um, about the life of uh, Marie Curie. But, but there's a documentary about her life and, and her discovery of radiation in her science. She said, look, this, this thing, this molecule that I call radiation is going to impact the world in a mighty way. And absolutely it did. And so she said it's safe, it, it's powerful, it's something that every, every human should have and then come to find out that it's toxic to humans. And, and she died because of that radiation. Many died because of that radiation. Now we use radiation, what she discovered, in medicine, and that's what we use now to, to decrease cancer in patients and, and other things, right? But her science was founded on the information that she had at the time. Let me, let me not diminish Marie Curie, an amazing woman, an amazing scientist. She did not have all of the information. So for someone to say that good thing about science is that it's true whether you believe it or not, I don't disagree if you have every single bit of information that the world could ever offer you now and in the future and that will never be true you will not have all the information there's a theory um, that that scientists believe as fact and that's the uh, the theory called the big bang how many of you heard of the big bang everybody knows the big bang everybody everybody who is not a christian believes that the big bang is what started the earth what what they don't address is how that little tiny molecule got there in the first place. What they don't address is what caused that tiny molecule of energy to explode. What they don't address is how tiny was this molecule? Was, this, was it just some giant ball of energy? Was it a tiny molecule? Was it two atoms just kind of spinning together until they decided to explode? What, what is it about the Big Bang that caused the Big Bang? They can't explain that. It's a theory because they don't have enough information. So for someone to say that, hey, science has proven that the Big Bang is real. No, it has not. It's still just a theory. Maybe, in their minds, a plausible theory, distancing themselves from God, but a theory nonetheless because you can't prove it. We see the effect of it, potentially. They talk about the, the universe expanding. They talk about the universe cooling. They talk about all these things that could lead to a possible interpretation of the Big Bang, but they can't tell you for a fact. Excuse me. They can't tell you for a fact how it happened, why it happened, what's going to happen because of it. Um, we have mathematics that are very sound. Brother, Brother Les told you a little bit earlier. He's a, a financial guru. And in his, in his financial genius, I, I would contend, and he would admit to this as well, that, that as much as, as he knows the markets and, and financially what could happen, he doesn't know what will happen if he did every single one of us would be wealthy beyond our wildest dreams amen because he would exploit that for the good of the kingdom and we would all be rich he would do that for his customers those that that uh, subscribed to his youtube channel and watched his videos and and listened to his financial uh, acumen and, and he said look i'm telling you my math is sound do this 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 and this but you cannot predict What's going to happen in the market? Why? We have, we have tons of historical information. We can look into the past and see what happened, but we cannot predict the future. Why? We have all this information, all this data. Why? Because the variables are constantly changing. Because a pandemic that you didn't recognize was going to happen changes everything that you thought was going to happen. There are things that are constantly in flux. So when you say that the thing about science is that it's true, the thing about science is that can't be completely 100% true. It can't because you don't have all, all of the information. As much as we know about the atom 
how to split it and create bombs. We don't know all there is to know about everything, and that's the problem. So I, I respect Neil deGrasse. I, I respect what he has done in the scientific community. Um, I, I consider myself, in, in a very small way, a scientist. I love to, uh, to apply logic, reasoning, and understanding. And I think that's very important. That, to me, really is part of the scientific community. How many times, however, have you looked online and, and read the article, scientists declare eating eggs is bad for you? And then two months later, scientists declare eating eggs is great for your health, right? That's what we read today on the internet. Eating, uh, drinking a glass of wine is great for your health. Drinking a glass of wine will kill you in two weeks. That's, that's what happens on the internet. There's so much disinformation. And, and the problem is someone identify scientists for me because they say scientists have said, but you don't know who that is. I, I was reading an article once about, I'm, I'm going off into a tangent, I'm sorry, we'll get back to this, but I was reading an article once about a scientist who, who declared something, and then uh, as part of the article they said that, that after going through peer review, that science, that science was deemed to be bad. They didn't have a control group, they didn't do this, they didn't do that, and so, so they touted something and started getting major headlines and then Come, come to realize that the way they went about that science was faulty. It was wrong. There, there is an agenda out there. You, there is no pure scientist out there anymore. It is greed. It is, it is agenda. It is uh, capitalism at its worst. It's them trying to get something out of their science in order to uh, continue them, not necessarily the human race. So that's what's wrong with science. You can't tell me that science is true because there's so much deception even within science. And look, I'm not saying we throw science out the window. We, we shouldn't say that about anything, right? You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But you've got to be really careful when you call something true when it's not necessarily true. Truth is the absence of ignorance. It is something that is revelatory. It reveals. It is not hidden there's so much untrueness to science that we've got to be very careful. Again, there's some science very sound. Gravity, the science of gravity, very sound. It exists. We know it exists, and we can apply things because of that existence. But, but we have to be very careful. I say this because it's very true in the spirit as well. And, and the truth that we speak from this pulpit from, from the churches around the world, has to be identified from Scripture. You have to understand what it is that you're saying and why it is that you're saying it. What, one more thing, and then I'll, and then I'll move on from, from science. Because this hit me the, a couple of weeks ago. Have you ever thought about... So according to science, we evolved from monkeys, right? In a sense, chimpanzees, monkeys, whatever. Um, there's, a, there's a tract of Neanderthal... Uh, Devosians, and then there's Homo sapiens, and we live in that Homo sapiens. I've studied this. Homo sapiens track. We evolved from potentially some sort of primate and, and into what it is that we are today, supposedly, according to science. I'm, I'm fascinated by the question, why aren't there mer people out there in the world? People that evolved from fish. I mean, we evolved from monkeys, so why aren't there fish people? Why aren't there cat people? Why, why didn't someone evolve from a lion, right? It, in fact, dolphins are supposed to be one of the, if not the, smartest animal in, in the world. They are geniuses and, and the way that they figure things out. You ever seen a favorite animal, octopus, the way that they can escape from pretty much any enclosure. Geniuses. Why haven't they evolved to create society? I'm not saying they should look like us. But why haven't they evolved to create society and, and a social structure and all that stuff? Why? Why are they continuing to be animals and we continue to be what we are, humans? Why aren't there other species of human out there in this world? I'll tell you why. Is what I believe. Because God created us. We are unique in this universe. Universe. Not galaxy. Universe. Because God created this, us this way. Otherwise, we would see evidence of that here on this earth. 
where everybody has had an equal opportunity to evolve into what we're supposed to evolve into. Everybody would have had the same opportunity to evolve into what we have evolved to today. So no, there is no Atlantis. There's no mermaid, merman. There's no people because God didn't create those. He created us very specifically with purpose, with logic and reasoning. He wanted us to do something to establish his kingdom. So I'll, I'll stop off my, my science bashing. Philippians 4, chapter 8. Finally, brother, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you the true is what we need to be focused on let's look at hebrews chapter 10 verse 20, 22 let us draw near with a true unhidden unignorant heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. So when we talk about truth and how it manifests itself in the church, this is key right here. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. This is why uh, attending church, being a part of a church, uh, being a part of the fellowship of, of the body of Christ is critical to you living a Christian life because you have to have this, this shared truth to truly understand what it is that you're, that's going on in your life. You have to be a part of the things that God is doing in others in order for you to be the full person that God wants you to be. We talked about this at the very beginning of this message, Ephesians 4.11. He gave some of you the ability to be an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, evangelist, teacher, whatever. He gave you that ability. But he gave you that ability because he wanted you to be a part of a body. You are a finger, a toe, um, a stomach, a fingernail, I don't know. You are something in the body of Christ and God created you to have a specific function in there. Some of you are a hand, so you've got fingers working within you to touch the lives of others. Some of you are a foot, and you stabilize, and you help, and you protect, right? You, you keep us moving forward, but, but you are a hand that is part of an arm, that is part of a chest, or a torso, that is part of a body. You have to be in the body. I, I, there's many people that say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You're absolutely right. You do not have to go to church to be a Christian, but you will fail as a Christian if you don't go to church. I know that's very foundational. You will fail as a Christian if you don't go to church because you are not receiving the, the meat and the fellowship of like-minded individuals going towards one purpose, and you will never fulfill your purpose anywhere because you are alone. You're a lone wolf. You're by yourself. You, you have nothing, no one to support you and, and nothing to build up. You have to be part of the church. And I'm not just saying attend church because that, you're right. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You could go to church and not be a Christian. You could sit in the back of the, not, not, not that Monica's anything wrong. You could sit in the back and, and just sit there and, and be a bump on the log and not invest in the kingdom of God. You can absolutely do that. And many people absolutely do that. In fact, many people sit in the front and their bumps on a log, and they don't invest into what the kingdom is talking to about into them for their life. You can absolutely be in a church and not be invested at all. So when, when it says here, hey, don't forsake the assembling, it doesn't say, hey, go to the building and, and just do your due diligence, right? Just go in there and, and, and do what you have to do. No, it says don't forsake the assembling. Don't forsake the fellowship. Don't forsake the, the ability to connect with other people, to pray for someone, have someone pray for you. That's why our seminars are so important. That's why, that's why Pastor really, really has in his heart and mind for this body, this group, as a saints network, to come together into one place. 
I have been working virtually for the past few months, ever since this pandemic started, right? And, and I find it is so difficult to manage a group of people, as a manager, to manage a group of people virtually, especially if I can't see their face. It's so difficult to be in a conversation. I, I call it a conversation. It's me talking and, and them, I don't know, sitting there. Very difficult for me to be in a conversation with my people, um, talking about things that are going on and saying something that I think might be a little controversial, that, that these people who have years of industry experience are going to push back on. I've only been in this industry five years. So for them to hear me say something revolutionary, hey, I don't know why we're doing that. Maybe we shouldn't be doing that anymore and not be able to see their face and see how they're reacting. Because a lot of conversation that you have with somebody happens through facial expression, through body language. Someone can agree with you in word, but they could be saying, yeah, you know, if you think that's, that's what's going to happen, I, I don't disagree with you. What are they really saying? Yeah, you're an idiot. I, I don't think that's going to work, but, you know, you're my boss, so I'm going to say yes. A lot of conversation happens through body language. So it's been very difficult for me to work with these people and, and not see their face. And so a lot of times I have to take auditory cues, things like, you guys have been very quiet. Tell me what you really think. Or, or I have to say, um, hey, so-and-so, what do you think? Tell, tell me how you really feel about what I'm saying. And, and then you'll hear the hesitation in their voice. Um, well, yeah. What are they really saying? No, but I'll agree with you. Right? So, so you've got to learn. You've got to pivot. And you've got to figure it out. My, my point in all this is do not forsake the concept of being in here with like-minded individuals in order to propel the kingdom of God forward. That is what it's saying right here. That is truth that we need to identify in our lives. Let's look at another one. 1 John chapter 2, verse 8. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. He that says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loves his brother abides in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knows not whether he goes because that darkness has blinded his eyes. I'm going to skip verses 12 and, and through 14, but it's in there for you to see it. Verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. So if you want to talk about truth, what is truth, I'll tell you right now, and the Bible makes it very clear, the world is not truth. The world will never provide truth. The world is self-serving. The world thinks about only what it can do for itself and how it can promote itself and move towards self-gratification. The world is not truth. Anything in the world is not truth. I don't know how clear we can be, so I'm going to move on here. I just want you to see when you're identifying truth, if it's coming from the world, it's not truth. First John chapter 2, verse 26. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which you have heard of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. Look, in a nutshell, if you're relying on a pastor to tell you what to believe, you will fall before any more convincing orator. Let me say that again. If you are relying on a pastor, not necessarily Pastor Crawford, me, whomever, if you're relying on a pastor to tell you what to believe, you will fall before a more convincing orator. You want to know truth? You're going to get truth from the pulpit. You should be getting truth from the pulpit. But you have to invest in the truth for yourself. You have to read it. You have to understand it. You have to know it. I'll give you a great example. I was reading in my devotional time uh, in Deuteronomy. 
There's times when I have a very structured and strict, I'm going to read this, 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 and this. And there's times when I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to flip. I'm going to find a passage of scripture, and I'm just going to digest. So I flipped. I looked in Deuteronomy, and I, and I came to this verse, and it's in your handout. Deuteronomy chapter 2, and in the space in which we came from Kadesh Barnea until we were come over the brook Zered was 30 and 8 years until all the generation of the men of war were wasted out from among the host as the Lord swore unto them. For indeed the hand of the Lord was against them to destroy them from among the host until they were consumed. Man, that's some harsh language there. God wanted people to die. That is, that's what it's saying. Does everybody disagree with that? It says it right there. The Lord was against them to destroy them from among the host until they were consumed. Why would a loving God want people to be destroyed? That's what, that's what the world's going to argue. Remember, the world's not truth, but let's hear it out. Why would a loving God want to destroy them? Why? Doesn't God love everybody? Why, why wouldn't there just be peace and calm? Look, let them live their truth and we'll live our truth and everybody will be okay. We'll live in harmony. Why would God want to destroy them? Let me tell you the truth. When you study scripture and understand what it's trying to say, here's what you come up with. Understanding that, that these people that were out there in the world were like a cancer to what God was trying to establish here on the earth. We saw what happened when, when humanity was first created and people began to sin and that sin was so prevalent that God said, I've, I've got to, I basically have to start over. There is one righteous man and his family left here in this world. So, yeah, I'm going to start over, but I'm going to start with him. Everybody else has got to go because I've got to tear this cancer out. For those of you who have seen surgery, no surgery, been through surgery, understand that when you have something in your body that is not supposed to be there, you have to get it all out. How many times have we seen on shows or heard from doctors we were able to get all of the cancer out. We were able to get most of the cancer out. We were only able to get a portion of it, and it's still in there. Which of those scenarios would you rather be in if it was talking about your body? Let me ask you that. Which of those scenarios would you rather be in? Doctor says, I got all, it all out. I got some of it out or most of it out. I got a little bit of it out. That's, that's exactly what's happening here in Scripture. Yes, so as, as harsh as it is, these people were worshiping other gods. These people were, were, were dancing before Satan. These people were living a life that was saying that God doesn't exist, God is wrong. And so he tried, tried to get the cancer out. But the people kept going back. The people kept going back. So you want to know about truth. You want to know what the scripture says. You have to know the scripture. Don't be afraid to read the scripture. Don't be afraid that it's saying something that the world is saying is bad. Does this sound horrible? Absolutely. When they say, well, doesn't God love everybody? Why would God kill anybody if he wants all to come to repentance? And what the scripture says as well, you have to know what it says and why it says it. So don't, don't expect a preacher to come up here and explain this to you for everything that's out there in the Bible. Don't expect that. You've got to study it for yourself. You want to know the truth? You've got to go find the truth. Not find your truth, the truth in Scripture. Because here's what it's going to provide, the provisions of truth. John chapter 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word... Then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, if you continue in my word. John chapter 14, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, because he dwells in you. And shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Galatians 5. This I say then. Walk in that spirit. That spirit of truth. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the flesh. The, the flesh lusts against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to another. So that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit. You are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. 
And that's these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, when you're walking in the Spirit, this is what's going to happen. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against these, there's no law. And they that are in Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, we have to walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. What a beautiful passage. If you want to know the truth, walk in the Spirit. Abstain from the things that are going to keep you from walking in the Spirit. I, you, don't have, you don't need me to tell you what those things are because I cannot tell you how to live your life. You will never live your life the way that I want you to live your life, and, and you probably shouldn't. I can never convince my kids to live their life the way I want them to live their life. You parents know that. You've experienced it. I cannot tell them, and, and they will do what I say in the far future. At some point in time, they're going to have their own thoughts and minds, and they're going to say, you know what? I don't know if I necessarily believe that I cannot do this, 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 and this. They're going to have to make that decision on their own. The only thing I can do is, is show them in Scripture, right? Talk to them about what I believe. Be a light. Know what I know. Know what I believe. And be able to uh, have a conversation with them. That is my duty. I have to know the truth in order for me to be able to impart truth into them. That's my job. Let me tell you, that's your job too. When I, when I said before in another sermon, your job is not to save souls. That you cannot save a soul. It's not your job to save a soul. Your job is to be a witness in order for that soul to be saved. Your job is to be a light in order for them to see the light and come out of the darkness. Your job is to know the truth so that they can see the truth and therefore be set free. Your job is to know the truth. 2 Timothy 1, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. It doesn't say truth anywhere in there. But, but to me, this is one of those scriptures that shows you what happens when you have the truth. There is no fear in what God has given you. There's truth. The last thing I want to say is this. This is not just a spiritual battle. This is also a battle that we have in the natural. When we talk about truth, it extends out there in the universe into the Webernet. You have to be very careful what you're putting out there, people. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever you happen to be on. I know Nancy's got a TikTok channel. She dances. If you're out there on the internet, you've got to be very careful what you're putting out there. Because as much as I say, look, you've got to know the word of God. Here's what happens when, when we do this. We, we, I have heard throughout my Christian life things said like um, Satan was the chief worship leader in heaven. Did you know that it, the Bible does not say that Satan was the chief worship leader in heaven? It doesn't say that anywhere. I challenge you to look it up. Find it. If you find it. At this pulpit, I say, I'll say something about it, but it's not in there. Nowhere does it say that Satan was the chief worship leader in heaven. But I've heard that from people. I've heard people say that and claim it uh, for whatever reason. Maybe they were trying to make a point, but they were saying that, that because of that stature and him owning worship, that, that that extends into, you know, I have to be very careful and blah, 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 and there's a whole sermon on it, I'm sure. It doesn't say that. Be very careful that you're not saying things that aren't in there. I told you what my worst fear was last week. That, that, that extends to the scriptures. Don't start spouting things that are not true just because you think they're true. You need to know that they're true. I, I would extend that into the natural too. Don't just start posting and liking things that you read on the internet because it sounds fun to you. That you like the way that it's said. Or, or that you agree with the underlying philosophy of it. Because all you're doing is, is putting yourself out there as someone who is uneducated and ignorant of the facts of the matter. I'm not saying don't lie. Look, I, I think social media is, is a horrible thing that's happened to our society. I'll be honest with you. I hate it. 
I, I try to distance myself as much as I can from it. I've, I've got social media. I'll post things on Instagram, pictures of, of me having fun with my daughters or cooking or something small like that. I don't give my opinion. No one wants to hear that. I, I don't tell people how to live their lives. No one's going to be convinced by a, by a post. I, I post things that are dear to me, and that's it, just so I can have record of it. I think social media is, is awful. But people have used it as a platform when they don't even know what it's there for. Let me, let me be very clear. Social media is a tool, much like a gun. It's a weapon, a dangerous weapon, but it doesn't fire itself. It doesn't start pointing at people and just start shooting off. An individual has to be cognizant of what they're doing, aim the thing, and fire at somebody. So yes, I think guns are dangerous. I own guns. I, I think you have to be very careful what you do with those guns. And I think social media is the exact same thing. You've got to be very careful what you say out there. Be very mindful of the people reading these things because you're either going to come across as a nut or, or ignorant, and then when you start trying to tell them the truth of Scripture, guess what they're going to say? And this is happening today. Oh, they're one of those right-wing, left-wing nuts out there just spouting gibberish. They're ascribing Christianity to ignorance because of what has happened out there on the Internet. It, it starts with us, folks. We've got to be very careful that we're not just posting things out there that make Christianity horrible for everybody else. I'll, I'll leave you with that. That's enough of that. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in the lives of, of these people, the people in our Saints Network. I thank you, Lord, for this fellowship. Truly thank you for what you've done out there in the world, the, the many lovely and wonderful people with, with a like mind who, who are embracing the things in your word that, that have been identified in this church by a great leader, that, that we go out there and we, we speak, we preach, we, we share, and, and people jump on it and say, yes, I am hearing truth, and I want to know more about it. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for, for the many flags represented here in the sanctuary of places that we have traveled and visited to share your gospel, your good news, your truth. I thank you for that. Father, and I pray that you will continue it. Thank you for the miracles of technology that allow us to, to reach many people through this live stream, through the podcast that happen weekly, through, through the saints' radios and all those good things. Father, we thank you for it. I pray now that you will gird us up, that you will freshen our minds, that you will help us to understand and know your truth and be embedded into what you are doing in this world. Father, give us clarity and understanding of your voice, so that when we speak, we know it's coming from you. In every manner, Father, verbal, written, posted, whatever it might be, Lord, let us speak only the truth in love. We thank you for it, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Have a great afternoon, and we will see you in a week. Bye.